It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the inspired team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hey, good morning, folks. We are so glad to have you with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel, where we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. I am your host and one of the advisors on the show. My name is Mike Bernard, alongside my fellow financial advisors and some of my dearest friends, Joshua Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. Right back at you, Mike. Love you, buddy. Hey, for some of you today, we're going to be covering a topic that might be music to your ears. For others... It could sound like nails on a chalkboard and drive you just a little bit crazy. <laughs> there, there may be a little controversial topic that we're going to be hitting today, and that's student loans and the government's forgiveness programs. Yeah. Okay. So whether you are in repayment stage or uh, you know somebody that will be soon, hopefully we'll be able to help you understand how the student loan repayment plans could affect your financial well-being. That's right. So there likely will be a lot of questions because this is very, very granular and it's very confusing. So if you have a question or you want to heckle us, uh, go to wisemoneyradio.com and submit your question there right there on the right. You can listen to previous episodes right there as well. Uh, If you're driving, give us a call, 574-222-2000. That's another way to submit a question or leave a comment. And you can always follow the blog and different uh, other postings on Facebook and Twitter at Wise Money Radio. So, okay, yeah, controversial question. It's coming from uh, a question from Jill. So, a controversial issue that we're going to hit today. So, here's Jill's question. She's from South Bend, age 54. My daughter graduated from college a few years ago and is doing everything she can to pay down her student loans. That said, I heard that the government has some programs where they will forgive some student loan debt. How do you know if you qualify for that, and what should I recommend that she do? Yeah, that's a great question, Jill. And we are going to answer this question very thoroughly. The thing that I was thinking about when we were talking about student loans and student debt is that this is a risky topic to be discussing. It's risky from a, from a number of perspectives. But first of all, what we don't want to do is we don't want to make you or your daughter feel bad. Um, we don't want feel bad about having a student loan We don't want anyone who might be listening who might be behind or delinquent to feel bad. Uh, We don't want the parents who had a baby 16 years ago. And 16 years ago, they knew they needed to start planning for college, and they haven't planned. And so their only real option right now, if they're going to send their their child to school, is going to be to use a student debt. Or another... Another possibility, and as we were talking before the show, Josh mentioned this, and I thought it was amazing, the thought that, hey, if I just made some pretty amazing sacrifices in order to get my student debt paid off, and now the government is coming out with a program that would allow some of your debt to be forgiven, that might be a little upsetting, too. So here, our our hope today is we want to encourage you. We want to encourage you, number one, take action, understand what your options are, um, understand the consequences of certain choices or certain behaviors. And we, of course, are biased, so we we would want to encourage you to work with a certified financial planner. But the issue is student loan debt, 
Houston, we have a problem. Absolutely. So over the past 10 years, tuition has increased on average uh, just over 5%, I think I've seen, even though just general inflation is under 2. Plus, you've got these adolescents, I mean, 18 to 22-year-olds, who are making decisions about borrowing a significant amount of money when they don't really have much life experience or really any concept of what kind of earning it's going to require to pay those loans back. And so, Houston, we do have a problem. We've got we have got to elevate our society and get f- kids and and um, and folks educated. However, paying for it and using student loans can be very very tricky and let me just say very very risky. Well, that's why uh, hopefully. You in the in the audience today are folks who are parents and are are listening today to learn how you can coach up your kids. You're on the front lines of steering them in the right direction. You need to be well informed about uh, how student loans are affecting kids when they when they graduate. I shared uh, last week, I think it was that um, in 2016, the average college graduate is coming out owing just over thirty seven thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if we assume that Jill's daughter is average, that could translate into a payment each month of over 425 bucks a month. If she was paying it off over 10 years, depending on what interest rate she's at, mm-hmm. that's a significant burden to be, to be feeling when you're first started, um, you know, trying to get started in your career, get yourself established, that sort of thing. So it's no wonder why the, the statistics right now are that 11% of student loans are in they're delinquent, mm-hmm. so they're behind. That just to give you a little bit of perspective. We actually contacted Jeff Corey over at First State Bank, um, a sponsor of the show here. He's kind of a go-to uh, guy when we've got questions about loans and and uh, banking and things. And he shared that their p- total portfolio of loans right now. Uh, so so looking at all consumer debt, audio, uh, auto loans, uh, mortgages, everything is under two percent uh, delinquent. So to be at 11% with student loans is crazy high. Staggering. Yeah. So, and if, if you're listening and you can't believe it, a local bank has a delinquency rate less than 2%, student loan delinquencies 11%. And so you say, well, why, why would that be? Why, why do consumers and businesses pay down their debt and student loans don't get paid down or have a have five times greater delinquency. And what the thing that I think about, and, and we have a, a great example from just the Notre Dame football team this past season, uh, there were some guys that made some horrible decisions. And you say, well, yeah, of course, guys and gals that are 18 to 22 are prone to making mm-hmm. bad decisions, especially depending on the peer pressure, the amount and type of peer pressure. So if you look at this, you have people that are 18 to 22 making decisions to borrow significant amounts of money that they don't have to pay back until they're in a much higher earning period of their life. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. So I'm so I'm borrowing money where where I don't have to pay anything back, but I'm not making any taxes. Josh, you talked about a $425 a month payment. I have to make, you know, five, fifty, six hundred bucks a month, pay taxes on that to end up with my four twenty-five to be able to make my student loan payment. Okay, so we are gonna drill down into the details of some of these programs here, but but Josh mentioned to launch the show that this is a pretty controversial topic. 
so far we've just been talking about, hey, we've got a problem with student loans. And so then, okay, well, what's so bad about the government having some uh, forgiveness programs, right? Well, but it's actually very controversial. Yeah, and the, and the controversy comes in the fact that not everybody is eligible for all these programs. That's right. There's several different options out there to try to get some help from the government, but, uh, you know, people often cry, hey, that's not fair when uh, their neighbor is getting a better deal than what they might. Yeah, well, well and part of that, too, is the government doesn't have any money. The only money the government has is the money they take from us. And uh, if we started the conversation by saying we're broke, then what kind of repayment programs would we have in the first place? <laughs> yeah. So part of the controversy is these forgiveness programs are starting to, they're kind of coming in waves. There have been a lot of new ones introduced under the Obama administration. And one of them in particular, we'll talk about the details in a moment, will start forgiving loans starting next fall. The accounting office within the, the accounting wing of the government has estimated that it's close to $108 billion yeah. of loans, student loans that will be forgiven. And so you, you back to your point, Kevin, okay, so the government gave, you know, loaned that money and is going to forgive a lot of it at a time when we ourselves are broke. That's pretty controversial. The other thing is, yeah, there are some unique eligibility requirements where two people, two teachers, they could be friends doing the exact same job. One teacher will get their loans forgiven, the other one won't, mm -hmm. right? That's pretty controversial. I think another controversial item, Josh and I talked about this before the show as well, I've got a friend who's working the system. This encourages more borrowing as well as encourages you to pay as little as possible on your loan, basically, uh, you know, essentially not working hard to pay down your debt. I, I think that personally is pretty controversial. It's a moral hazard. Yeah. Ab absolutely. So, and then on top of all of that, a lot of these programs were put in place or some of the more recent programs put in place by executive order as opposed to being fully vetted and supported by, con by Congress. So, okay, folks. So student loans, that is a problem. The cost of school, that's a problem. We're going to be breaking down some of these actual loan forgiveness options so that you are educated, just like Kevin said, and you know which apply to you. And we're going to wrap it all up with some other questions as well. So that and much, much more here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Good morning, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. My name is Mike. I've got Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn in the studio with me. Casey Hendrickson just snapped into a Slim Jim, making all of us hungry. He's working the board. Hey, special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keen as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. Oh, it's a high-protein, low-fat. I still want a Slim Jim. Is that okay? It's got elk and beef. Nutrition <laughs> HQ, healthy beef jerky. There you go. There you go. Yeah, hey. and it, it, Nutrition HQ, after 40, your testosterone level right. starts decreasing. Man, I love listening to Ricky. I'm meaning to talk to you about that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you All seen right. the socks he's wearing today? <laughs> oh, that will make you question, you yeah. Other things about Kevin. Hey, we're talking about different types of student loan forgiveness. We've really just been bantering about the student loan problem that we have here. And the government's 
at least solution so far, has been to come out with some loan forgiveness. We're, we're actually going to drill down to the details, tell you what those are in just a second. If you have a question, comment, or anything else, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call, 574-222-2000. All right, so this is all stemming from Jill. If you don't like what we're talking about, you can blame her. I appreciate the question. I thought it's a good question. She basically said, my daughter just graduated from school a couple years ago, is trying to keep up on her student loan debt, but it's very difficult. I heard that there are forgiveness programs. What are they and how do you qualify? So we're going to start drilling down into what those are. We're not going to be able to talk about all of them. And I will just tell you folks, we are not experts in these. A lot of them have been introduced recently. Um, Very few have actually been forgiven, although that's going to be picking up steam here in the next couple of years. And so we're just really going to be introducing these kind of the, the basics of these. Well, and to, to stay at a high level for a moment here, I, I would put these into four different categories and or four different types of, of programs that are out there. The first one, uh, think of it as a loan repayment program where uh, you're still paying back many of your loans, but they're going to modify your payments based on your income. So if your income's lower, then they keep your payment lower. As your income rises, the payment may rise. But it's trying to uh, tailor your payment each month to where you're at uh, financially, at least from an income standpoint. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, eventually getting uh, the, a portion of the debt wiped out at the end of a long process there. You also then, if we were going to um, drill down into a little bit more niche area, you have public service loan forgiveness programs. This is basically where you get a reward for working in the public sector, um, you know, a government type job, or working for a nonprofit organization. After 10 years of making payments, you can have part of your loan forgiven there as well. Then drill down, get a little bit more uh, niche oriented here. Uh, you've got teacher loan forgiveness programs. This is for teachers who really basically work for at least five years in certain low-income schools, and it gives them an incentive to work in an area that, you know, generally is underserved. But you can, after five years, get a portion of your debt wiped out as well. And then finally, the most restricted of them all, but the most lucrative of them all, is a Perkins loan forgiveness program. It only applies to that specific type of loan, a Perkins loan, which you have to, there are income requirements to be able to even get that when you're in school. But uh, slowly over time, over the course of five years, you can get all of your debt wiped out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, so stay with us, folks. This is going to be, it's going to be controversial. It's going to be granular and so on. We're going to keep it at a high level and somewhat palatable. But we're going to start with the broadest, and that is some of the income-based repayment options that can lead to forgiveness. So, Kevin, can you just kind of introduce that one? Yeah, we're just uh, skimming the tops of the waves on this, uh, the income-driven repayment. And so how, here's how it works. The federal government offers four main income-driven repayment plans, and these allow you to pay a percentage of your monthly income towards your loan. So there's either the income-based repayment, the income-contingent repayment, the pay-as-you-earn, or the revised pay-as-you-earn. And all these programs automatically forgive your remaining loan balance after 20 to 25 years. It just depends on the type of program that you have, the type of loans you have. It's either 20. And I actually got into a debate. Someone called an argument. 
and whether it was 20 or 25 years, it really just depends, folks. Yeah, so most, most of these were designed for borrowers who have a large loan balance relative to their incomes. And there's a little acronym, Revise Pay As You Earn or Repay. However, is open to any federal student loan borrower, no matter how much you earn. And the loan requirements vary among the different plans. In general, if a, if a loan type isn't eligible for income-driven repayment at first, it will be once it's consolidated into a direct consolidation loan. Okay, so there there hits on some of the controversy if you understood that. I, I'm sure it was the English language, but there's there hits some of the controversy. If you haven't... If you've got student loans right now and you've been paying them on a payment plan, but it hasn't been on an income-based repayment plan, you might not qualify. Even if you've been paying for a many years already, you may not qualify. And so I would encourage you to reach out to your student loan provider or something to look at, at these options. The other controversy this brings up is depending on the type of loan repayment that you have, I'm just going to read it here. Um, one of the the revised pay-as-you-earn repayment plan, it factors in both your income and your spouse's income, whether you file a joint return or a separate return. However, some of the others only look at your income, um, or excuse me, only look at your spouse's income if you file a joint return. So folks, there are people out there doing married filing separately, intentionally paying more tax as a way to... I'll just say skirt the system, work the system, or to eventually, after 20 years or 25 years, get some loan forgiveness. That's pretty controversial. Well, the, I think what you're hitting on is that here we have an incentive being laid out by the government that um, makes you do things that don't make sense from a, a tax planning standpoint or maybe just economically from a financial management standpoint. It violates so many principles that we've been preaching from the radio every single weekend for, for over a year now. The, the whole idea, all of these, what they have in common is the idea that you're going to stretch out your loan over time, make smaller payments mm -hmm. so that it fits nicer in the budget, it's easier to manage and everything, but stretch it out over time. And as you said, 20, 25 years that you'd be paying on these student loans just for the hope of maybe getting some of the debt wiped out in the future. Well, the net result, anytime you squeeze down a payment, you're going to pay more interest, yeah. right? So these a are, lot more interest. These are the horror stories of where you hear folks say, well, when I started this program, I had $40,000 in debt, but 15 years later, I've got $60,000 in debt, even though I've been making payments. It's because these the interest is accruing, but when you look at what your payment is, through one of these programs, you're not even paying the interest on it. That's right. So you will never pay off the loan in that exactly. case. And that's why at the end there needs to be this carrot that says, hey, we'll wipe out what's left if you stuck to the plan for 20 or 25 years. And this really is, this, this serves two purposes. One is to make people aware there are programs out there for repayment. But also if you're thinking about student loans as a way to fund your education, just know that it's it's almost a second job to keep up with it and to understand what the options are. And I think anytime you're signing up for, when I think I'm signing up for 20 to 25 years uh, to manipulate my behavior in order to try to get some sort of a benefit from the government, I, I that sounds a lot like bondage to me. Like well, I am in chains. Totally. Well, and you're also completely susceptible to 
uh, government changes with this. Right. Okay. One other thing, and, and we're and we're long-winded on this one, but I think this is the broadest one. So I think it applies to most people. This income-based repayment plan. So I'm actually fine being a little long-winded on this. But you've got to know, folks, if this sounds appealing to you, or your son, daughter, or niece or nephew is already on this, you need to watch out. Here is what I'm talking about. Yes, your income will, or your payment will be squeezed down as just a small percentage of your income, but you better be saving up for the tax bill because under this forgiveness program, that discharge debt, which as Josh and I already mentioned, is growing because you're not even paying the interest. When it is discharged and forgiven, you've got to pay tax on that just like you earned it. One of my clients, we were talking about setting aside $40,000 to pay the tax bill when this eventually gets forgiven. That's an extraordinary amount. And so if you're just focusing on the win of maybe not having to pay all your student loans back and you ignore the tax consequence, you could find yourself in a real, real tough spot. So, okay. The others that Josh mentioned, the uh, public service, the teachers, the Perkins loan, and there's a couple other honorable honorable mentions that we're just going to hit really quickly uh, before we wrap it all up. So that and much more coming up here on Wise Money with Coho and Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michigan and Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hey, good morning, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name's Mike. I've got Josh and Kevin with me in the studio, and we're talking about the controversial topic of forgiveness of student loans, and we're starting to break down what those programs are. Hey, a big thanks to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies as well as the great realtors at the Inspired Team with Diane Bennett and Remax 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. If you have a question, a comment, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call, 574-222-2000. Okay, so Jill's question, we're still tackling that. It's basically, my daughter's got student loans. I've heard about some forgiveness programs. I don't really know the details. Will she qualify? And Jill, you're right. Actually, a lot of people joining in that boat. Most people don't know about these programs. Maybe you've heard a rumor about it because they're going to start picking up steam here in the next couple of years. So we wanted to break down just some of the highlights of what these different forgiveness programs are. We've talked about the income-based repayment option. That's going to apply to most of you, but be careful, folks. I still don't think that the offsetting benefit of forgiving the loan is better than just sticking to it and paying the loan off yourself, which we'll hopefully get to. But the income-based repayment plan. The next one we want to talk about is the public service program. So, Josh, can you talk about the details there? Absolutely. You know, this is basically, as I mentioned before, an incentive for people to um, to, to work in either a government job or a nonprofit organization. And the, the way it works is you have to make 120 payments on your own. And uh, if you're working and you can prove that you worked for one of these organizations, then at the end of that 10-year uh, repayment plan, the, the remainder of your debt can get wiped out. Now, you might be thinking, wait, I do work at a nonprofit and I'm eight years in. No, it start. This program was introduced October 1st of 2007. So these ten, the 10-year program doesn't even 
um, th- the first one doesn't even hit until next year. Well, and here's another gotcha that's built into this one. And this one can be infuriating to a lot of people. Um, if you work for a religious organization, even if you are, which you know is a nonprofit organization, you don't qualify. Yeah. So they've intentionally uh, pulled this one away from anyone working for a church or other religious organization. Yep. Now so. that one's not clearly evident on the the student aid website, but yep. But it you can have a you know all of the remaining debt uh, forgiven at that point. So that's a pretty significant one. And unlike the warning I mentioned with the income based repayment, my understanding is they're not taxing this one. Yet, right, right. <laughs> yet. So they could change that that deal at any time. But if you're in the public sector, or excuse me, public service, excuse me, and you have loans forgiven under this plan, that discharged amount is not taxable to you. You know, when I graduated from college, pretty much the standard repayment plan was ten years, right? So how does this one help you? The only way it helps you is if you have stretched out your payments. Exactly. So sometimes people will use uh, one of those income-based plans that we talked about in the last segment in conjunction with this one right. so that there actually is a balance that's left at the end of 10 years. Again, it's incentivizing you to not hit the ground running and start knocking out your debt right away. It actually is trying to convince you, oh, you should just take your time on that loan and uh, maybe there will be something left to be forgiven at the end. Right, which again goes against conventional financial advice that we'd give anyone. So... Um, okay, so a kind of a subset of the public service loan forgiveness program are a couple others. And the first one or the next one we're going to talk about is the teacher loan forgiveness program. So you might say, well, yeah, a teacher would be included in the public service. Well, that's true, but they also have, if you're a certain type of teacher that meets certain eligibility requirements, you have a, your own special forgiveness program as well. Yeah, and I'd like to explain this and break it down a little bit and tell you how it works. But I just have to say... As I've been listening to this conversation, it is it, it is really, really inspiring me to encourage people, number one, if they have student loans, go understand what your options are, but then work with your certified financial planner to see what's the best way to do it. And my, my favorite experiences have been when I've worked with people that have said, hey, we're going to stretch this debt out over a, a long period of time. And challenge them to say, hey, get this stuff paid off. There's no freedom when you have the student loan debt. Yeah. Get it paid off. Make the sacrifice. I would rather make a very meaningful sacrifice early on for a short period of time than a painful sacrifice for a long period of time. Kind of the old rock in my shoe or burr under my saddle type of a feeling that I have. And it just drags on and on and on and on. That's not what you asked. You asked about the teacher loan forgiveness. So let's talk about how that works. Okay, so teachers who work full time for five consecutive years can have up to seventeen thousand five hundred in direct or Stafford loans forgiven. So again, there's nothing simple about this. We are not experts in this area. We can do research just like you can do research, and we're always happy to help. Your certified financial planner should be helping you with this, but it's a little bit complicated. So this program is available only to teachers who work in low-income public elementary or secondary schools and who took out their first loans after October 1st 
1998. Okay, so when I see the headline of teacher loan forgiveness, I think, okay, great, that's going to apply to a lot of people, and I get that teachers, you know, don't have the highest starting salaries and all of that. I, I get it. However, the catch is you've got to work in a low-income um, public school. Which, There's one more catch, too, though. You have to be making those payments consistently, continuously for that whole five years. You can't uh, miss a payment. You can't be in default in any way. Uh, there, there can't be, um, you know, interruptions or, or um, delays in any kind. Yep. Yep. So it's best for you if you plan to teach full time in a low income public school for at least five years and have a loan balance of 17500 or less. And if you have a larger loan balance and plan to teach for 15 years or more, consider enrolling in the public service loan forgiveness after uh, five years. That's what Josh had just talked yep. about. Yep. I've actually seen this one be used with clients in the past. Um, it, it was uh, different rules at the time. It wasn't 17500 that could be forgiven. It was five grand at the time, I believe. But, um, you know, this, this particular teacher that I have in my mind, um, he worked to pay his student loans off uh, faster. He wanted to get to the point where his loan balance was down to five grand at the five-year mark. So he was paying ahead, oh. but not too far ahead because he was, you know, leaving this $5,000 balance at the time he crossed the five-year mark and got the, the, the rest of it just wiped out. So he was doing some careful planning. He was intentionally serving in one of our local communities here with, uh, which is considered low income and mm -hmm. uh, qualified for the deal. So I like that type of proactive planning. If you were already going to be a teacher and you already had a heart for serving in this area, yeah. then you may as well take advantage of the, the, the good stuff that's on the table. Yeah. And I'll tell you, my bias, and this wasn't really something that we had planned to talk about, but I was when I, as soon as I got out of high school, I went in the active army. Once I got out of the active army, I signed up for the National Guard. In the National Guard, and this is the, in the late 80s, they had loan forgiveness up to $20,000. So basically you could borrow up to $20,000 and they would forgive the loans. Now there were lots of complications with this, but that is a, that is a fantastic way. If you are able and interested in serving your country in that way, you, you definitely want to look at what your options are for loan forgiveness. Josh, can you hit the details, the highlights of the Perkins loan forgiveness program really, really quick? Well, what I already mentioned earlier is that, um, it, this only applies to just a narrow part of the population. You have to have qualified for a Perkins loan in particular, not just a general, right. uh, you know, federal loan. And But if you have it and you uh, do work in the public sector or as a teacher, this one can be pretty lucrative because they can begin forgiving your loans over the course of the first five years. So immediately, you know, after the first year, they'll knock off 15% of the loan balance. And then after the second year, another 15% then 20%, another 20%, and then the last 30% at the end of year five. So, um, you know, you're getting the total amount of your, your loan wiped out potentially, up to 100%, obviously. And um, that's just a better deal than paying for five years and then getting the residual amount wiped out for mm -hmm. you. But you've got to have Perkins loans, which isn't, you know, that n not everyone has those. Um, that one, as well as the teacher one Kevin mentioned, I do not believe currently that when those are discharged that you've got to pay tax on those. So again, those of you looking at the income-based plan, just watch out for that tax burden. That would be really, really nasty stuff 
Uh, but these other ones, you wouldn't have that. So, okay, we're going to wrap this all up. There's a couple others. You know, what if my school closed? Do I have to pay those loans? Uh, can I discharge the loan in bankruptcy? So we're going to address those here and more coming up on Wise Money with Horhorn Financial Group, 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keen, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. All right, good morning, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name's Mike. I've got Josh and Kevin with me in this studio. If you don't like talking about student loans, well, you know what? This show's still for you because you know someone that's got a student loan or someday you're planning for your kids and you need to know, should I save up in advance or should we have student loans be part of paying for college? So listen, this applies to you. I know it's dry. Uh, if you have a question, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call 574-222-2000. All right, folks. So we have been talking about the different types of student loan forgiveness. And just a disclaimer, we're bringing this stuff up not to make anyone feel bad if you've got student loans or even if you're delinquent. It's just to help everyone understand what your choices are, get educated on the different loan forgiveness programs out there to see if one might qualify for you. We've talked about the four broad ones. I'm going to hit a couple others. We're not going to be able to hit all the details. And then we're going to finish it off with just, all right, if, if student loans aren't an ideal way to pay for college, what are some other ways? So we're going we're gonna to hit that too. But the four main types of loan forgiveness are income-based repayment. Watch out for that one. It's a long time and whatever's forgiven is taxable. Then you've got the public service loan forgiveness, teacher loan forgiveness program, and then Perkins. Those are kind of the four broad ones. I would mention though, that if your son or daughter, whoever's in school that has the loan, ends up being permanently disabled, there's a program where you can get the student loans forgiven there. Uh, they've got to meet certain criteria, but I'm thankful that they've got that criteria out there or that, that, that they have that program out there. The other one is if the person who took out the loan or the student passes away, there's a program there. That would, yeah, I, I completely understand that one. All right. The third honorable mention one is what if your school closes? That one is a little controversial, but right here in our backyard, we had ITT Tech close. And so, uh, okay, so you've got, I'm not going to hit all of these, but if your school closes, you can get 100% of your direct loans or field loans um, uh, discharged, but you've got to be enrolled at the time of the closing or within 120 days. Four okay. months. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, so... I think some people feel a little bit taken advantage of because they went to a school that and didn't maybe feel like they got the best education. And then a few years later, yep, that's true. And the school closed. Yeah, this program doesn't qualify. You don't qualify under this program. You so. also don't qualify if you graduated and then a few months later, the, clo the, the school closes exactly. within two months or anything. Exactly. You have to have withdrawn in that 120 days and went and enrolled somewhere else or maybe you just completely dropped out of school, whatever. Yep. But if you switch to a different school and go finish another program, the same degree, basically, elsewhere, 
again, you don't qualify in that case. Right. So this whole thing incentivizes you to almost completely change majors, change programs if this were to happen to you just so you can get the loan discharged, yep. which is completely wiping it out as if it never existed. Yep. And the last one I'll mention, folks, is bankruptcy. the bankruptcy laws aren't real friendly with student loans. Now, there are small avenues, very narrow windows, where you could get some student loans discharged through the bankruptcy process. But I have just advised folks, it's such a narrow window, at least under current laws, just assume, just plan on, even through bankruptcy, your student loans will not be discharged. You're going to need to pay them off. So where a lot of consumer debt and other debt can be discharged during the bankruptcy process, don't assume that your student loans will be. So, okay, folks. So... Listen, we've been talking about student loans, but student loans is just one way to pay for college. And we would actually argue, I would look at all other ways of paying for college before taking on a student loan. Don't feel like that's the first option or a sentence. So let's spend a little bit of time as we're talking about paying for school. How, what, what are some better ways to pay for college? If you don't have a child in college yet, one of the first ways you should consider is saving up money. That's right. And if, if you're going to be proactive like that and um, try to set aside dollars that you can help your kids with, the 529 plan is one of the first places that we would always turn our attention to, especially if you live in Indiana. Yeah. Because here in Indiana, there's a great incentive that's uh, on the table here for you. You could earn up to a, well, you can earn a 20% credit on your state income taxes up to $1,000. So in order to get the full $1,000, you'd have to contribute five grand to the Indiana 529 plan, not a different state. It has to be here in Indiana for Hoosiers. But what that allows you to do is save some money in taxes this year and the year that you contribute, and then let the dollars grow for the future. This again, this is a proactive tool is the way we want to frame this. This is you thinking ahead and starting to set aside dollars that can be growing, hopefully to not only keep up with that rising cost of tuition, but even maybe play some catch up to, to get ahead. That's right. And the other great benefit with the 529 plan is the growth on that account would come out tax free if you're using it to pay for qualified education expenses, which is, you know, a huge benefit. So, and you mentioned Indiana, there is a deduction. So there's a credit. If you live in Indiana, there's a deduction if you live in Michigan. So depending on the state that you live in, make sure you're aware of what kind of benefits are available to you. And if it, determine if it makes sense for you to take advantage. It may not be too late this year as well. Maybe you have yeah. been making contributions over time and you haven't done it yet this year. Maybe this should be your number one action item come Monday. If you can get the contribution in before December 31st, it can count on this year's tax return for you. And just make sure it's the, the Indiana plan, because if you live in Indiana and you contribute to a 529 plan that's not an Indiana plan, you're not getting the credit. That's right. And so I've seen folks that say, well, all my investments are with Fidelity, so I'll just do the Fidelity 529 plan. You can do that. It's it's uh, that Fidelity is the state of New Jersey's plan. So you can contribute to any state's plan. But if you lived in Indiana, you really would want to contribute to the Indiana plan. I think Fidelity does New Hampshire. But anyway, if you're uh, if you're also in proactive mode and can save up and don't like the 529 plan, uh, another option would be the Roth IRA. You don't get a tax credit or deduction when you contribute to a Roth, but those dollars grow tax deferred. If you use them for college, that tax deferred growth doesn't come out tax free, but it does avoid a penalty. So that's a good option. Well, you can well. always just pull your basis out, especially yep. if you're, 
invested with Fidelity in New Jersey. Um, you just get your <laughs> basis and just pull it right on out, and you're not going to pay any taxes on that. Okay, but here's the deal. So, so, so far we've been talking about, okay, if you can still get proactive and save up for college to avoid loans, use a 529, consider maybe a Roth IRA. But what if you're on the doorstep? Or what if you've got a child or you yourself are in college right now? Folks, you're still not shackled to the student loan idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention a couple and it might be controversial. The first one, get a job. Get a job. Yes, it's going to be tough to be a kid in the Bernard household, but listen, I would tell you, go get out and get a job. And I know a lot of parents say, nope, with the schoolwork and everything else, I don't want my child to be burdened with getting a job. It, listen, you're going to have to pay off these student loans. How about you go ahead and get a job right now and avoid the student loans altogether? I like so, it. it. Sounds old-fashioned, sure. Mike, but... Whatever. <laughs> that, hey, so anyway. And then the second, this one's also pretty controversial, is go to a cheaper school. The one that's tough to swallow is, well, I, and I went to Michigan State University. So I, I went away to school and had to pay for room and board and all of that stuff. And uh, Did you work? I did work. There Absolutely, I did. Um, but there's always the local option, too. If you didn't want to pay 25 grand for the state school, you could pay seven, six or seven and stay home. Casey was talking about another program as well to potentially just avoid some of the college costs and the loans that would come with it. Well, and we've talked about micro on my show uh, quite a bit, but people have to remember that micro isn't just an advocate for what you call trade jobs. He actually has a public charity. It's called Micro Works, and it's a foundation. It's a 501c3. And what they do is I think they awarded about 120, 130 scholarships last year. And they're looking to expand every single year. And so these are people who are looking for skills, trades, plumbing, air conditioning, automotive, marine uh, mechanics, things like that, that are trades you don't need to go to college for, but are really good paying jobs that are high in demand. And so there are scholarship and grant opportunities through this public charity. And anybody out there who's interested in helping them, you can also donate to the foundation to provide more scholarship money available too. And applying what we just learned, if you worked for MicroWorks, because it's a not-for-profit for the right amount of time, you could get some loan forgiveness. There you go. All right, folks. I hope these details have helped you understand what your options are. Of course, we would always say if you're trying to figure out how to pay for college, sit down with a planner and try and plan it out proactively and make sure you're making the best choice. So. All right. Thanks, folks. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and myself, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Wealth Management, LLC, and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.